Hey guys, producer Ken here with a very quick message before the show begins. Uh, in 2013, uh, I started working on a podcast with two of my very best friends, Paul and Ben. That show's called Jews and Reviews, and it's on the Atlantic Transmission Network. In fact, it's safe to say it's probably one of the inspirations for creating it in the first place. Well, four years ago, uh, one of the best men I know, Paul Cohen, you may know him as Paul Corey, hosted Jews and Reviews, uh, was unexpectedly admitted to the hospital. Uh, it was from there that he learned that his illness was due to a loss of function in his kidneys. Uh, right now, he's on dialysis three days a week, and the doctors have told him, hey, Paul, you know, try to live a normal life, which is very rough to do, you know, being on dialysis three days a week. Well, it turns out Paul is in need of a kidney transplant. So if you or anyone you know may be interested in learning more about becoming a living donor, please call the Living Donor Team at New York Weill Cornell at 212-746-3922. That's the Living Donor Team at New York Weill Cornell at 212-746-3922. Another way you can help is just spreading the message by sharing these links and giving it the hashtag Team Paul. That's T-E-A-M-P-A-U-L, standard spelling on Paul. We're certainly doing all we can to help a good man get through this, and we hope you'll join us. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Yo, what up, everybody? This is The Bitch Seat, the podcast. I'm Lissa Mandel. I am here with my uh, compatriot and boyfriend, Phil Casal. Hey, hey everybody. Phil. How's it going? And uh, on this show, we're going to talk to Sue Funk, who's an amazing comedian. She works for TV Land, and I feel like we would have been best friends when we were little. Uh, this is a show, of course, about uh, interviewing people about childhood and adolescence and the worst and best parts of it. Um, and, uh, I'm going to start out with that. Uh, we were just talking about actually IMAX theaters and how I saw gravity when I was way too high and it was a really difficult experience. And, um, along those lines, I'm going to share a journal entry from February 16th, 1997, when I was uh, thinking about these philosophical things that I had no idea about. You ready for this, Phil? No. <laughs> Jump in whenever you feel. Sure. All right. So this is uh, in my journal called Harmony. I named all my journals. Because I was a really annoying brat. I like Harmony, though. I know. Harmony has all the best, the most... Uh, this is like the richest time yeah, of I my drama, say. of my like Bronte-style drama. Okay. So, uh, basking in the Sunday afternoon sun in my living room, my mind sifts through the big picture. Everything. What if my NYC life never happens? Oh, side note, listener, I grew up in suburban Connecticut and hated it so much, and all I wanted was to live in New York my whole life. So I wrote about that a lot. What if the world really does end in 2000? Remember that? Remember yeah. that, Phil? Yeah, Y2K. Yeah, dude. Do you know that I graduated in 2001, uh, and all the people who graduated in 2000 said that they were the first year of the new millennium, and I was like, no, you're wrong. That's not how math works. 2001. How was your math system? How was my math? I in mean, your high I was, school. Well, I was terrible at math. Yeah, me too. I didn't even get through pre-calc. Yeah, our math systems failed us. We didn't fail it. Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> right. What if a great void comes and swallows up color and feeling and bodies and finally, heaven help us, spirit and mind? What if I don't live to see 18 years? I won't even get to Harvard, let alone NYC, and my apartment and nightclubs and marriage and children and, and life. 
I had really big plans. Nightclubs. I was obsessed with the idea. I don't know. I was obsessed with the idea of nightclubs, even though I was. You are not a nightclub person at all. I know, but I liked the idea of freedom and letting go. And I was so tightly wound that that just embodied for me everything about letting go. Of course, because nightclubs are essentially just people going in to be slotted into a nightclub scene. And your idea of a nightclub is probably far more honest and true than what actually appears to be now. I think. That's yeah, it turned out like I found what I was looking for in terms of nightclubs when I found like improvisational movement classes. That's <laughs> Fair enough. sort of what I was looking for. <laughs> um, anyway. But someone predicted the end of the world in 1984, and well, that obviously did not happen. I just became so frightened last night. The Boyds and our family, the Boyds were our family friends, and our family went out to dinner, and Allison and I were scaring ourselves stiff with deep, horrifying questions and fears of the world and other dimensions and unknown forces and the never-ending universe. I mean, it can't go on and on. That's just impossible. There's just not enough room for it. And if the universe does have borders, somewhere light years away, what's beyond the borders? Light? Darkness? Nothing? Oh, it makes me shiver. How could there be nothing? There's always got to be something. And what about black holes? It's like, just throw that in there for spice. <laughs> While we're on the subject, what about black holes? Where do you go when you're sucked into one? Do you die? <laughs> Disappear? But I certainly do not believe in disappearing. Something can't possibly just dissolve into thin air. You know, there's so much we humans don't know about everything. You, 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 <laughs> you naturally escalated from death to black holes to nothing. I heightened. You, yeah, it, you, you went in a natural course. You didn't need to go to school. To do that, you already had it in you. I was already an existentialist. You were already, what, 13? I think 13, yeah. Insane. What about death? When you die, perhaps your body <laughs> dies, but what about your spirit? It must go somewhere. I heard once that a woman died and was resuscitated. When asked what death is like, she said that at first she saw all white, and then she saw her whole life flash backwards in her eyes like rewinding a roll of film. How depressing that would be. That's how I felt about my life. I'm like, oh, I have to go through this shit again? <laughs> backwards? No. Um, also, it turns out, now that I've become like a crazy new age spiritual hippie and I've read all this stuff about you know ayahuasca and uh, mushrooms and other dimensions, that like I was pretty ahead of my time here. Yeah, yeah, you're pretty ahead. But all, if you think about it, you know, living backwards, you're just living disappointment in reverse. So it must feel better because you're... Because you don't know what's... But also like you're feeling the hurt in reverse. So it's actually you're feeling it go from bad to good. So it's actually happening. But I don't remember a time that was ever, quote unquote, good. Well, did it ever get worse? Like were there moments that went from bad to worse in your life? Of course. Yeah, but see, every time I started a new school year, it was like the world had ended. So, so I, I had ups and downs a lot. It would look like a a okay, sine curve. So you're just living your up. You're, you if you went in, okay. Let's just continue. The point is, I don't want to flash backward and see my whole life again because I lived through it once and that was enough. Fair enough. Anyway. I was trying to make it positive. Thanks, Phil. Yeah. Maybe everyone's death is different. Maybe when every person dies, they go to their own dimension or planet where you are invincible, but it's a reenactment of your earth life as if nothing's changed. Or what if when you die, you travel to another dimension, live another person's life, then die, travel to another dimension, etc. By the way, this is reincarnation. Maybe I was a Hindu. What if our galaxy is just a tiny little piece of something awesome? What if some bigger, no, greater people is watching us and laughing? We could all be like marionettes in a giant's fingers, being danced around with no control. Oh, I feel sick. Anyway, I can't talk about this stuff anymore. Sometimes I think I'm not quite a normal teenager. 
I mean, I'll bet none of my peers think about this queer stuff. Queer stuff? Queer stuff. You I, said, I yeah. was reading novels from the 1950s, obviously. Just that I'm so deep. I can't help thinking. God, somebody just kill me. Sometimes I know it's a major disadvantage that my major communication source is in my head rather than out loud. But then again, that's the entire reason I love myself. I'm so different and unique. Nobody can touch me. In the words of Eric Clapton, I can change the world. Oh my God. Really? Yep. Uh, <sighs> yep. However, too bad I can't change something else. Matt's mind. <laughs> yep, I, I was writing sitcoms when I was 13. I'm not going to continue, but suffice it to say that Matt was one of the like 15 guys that I had a crush on at, at the time. At, at the time, can you give list three that you had a crush on off the top of your head? It was like, what is it, April 97? Uh, yeah, so um, Cash and Mitchell I was obsessed with for like three or four years, and okay. he knew it. Um, Tim Verillo was a bully and he tied people's shoes together, but I thought he was hot. Mike Thomas was a dork who was older than me and didn't really know who I was, um, but I thought that he was cute because he had freckles. And this guy, Matt Stelling, played the saxophone and thought that I was a psycho because I gave him notes. I passed notes to him through like three other friends. Nice. So um, you had a wide range of crushes, different varieties, flavors even. Yes, and none of them, I knew none of them really well or personally. Uh because that made it safe for me to watch them from a distance. Of course. Me yeah. too. I had the same thing where I'd watch there'd be girls in band I had a uh, crush on, watch them play flute or something, but I wouldn't even talk to them because, come on, getting to know someone. It's too hard. No, because you know what? I didn't want to be disappointed because I wanted to be in love with the fantasy of that person. I also didn't want to open my mouth in front of them because I knew I would make a fool out of myself. Oh, I'm Phil. pretty, oh, I'm still good at that, but whatever. But That's it's lovable. It. I like it. Oh, good. I'm glad you do. Um, listen, um, so we're gonna. I want to invite our guests to uh, to start talking here. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> uh, because I'm really, I'm really excited to have a conversation with her. Um, she kind of rounds out our tri-state area representation right now. Yeah, I'm from Connecticut. Phil's from New Jersey. Uh, Kent is from Staten Island, and um, Kent is our audio engineer. And um, right now, we're gonna welcome Sue Funk on the show, who is a comedian and uh, works for TV Land, doing basically a dream job. And uh, she's from Long Island. So hi, oh, Sue. Oh, hey. I like the spooky music. You're going to know what it is. Oh, I think I know. Wow, I forgot the beginning of it. It's so long. So mystical. I mean, I think this goes really well with what we were talking about. It does. It feels like... Kind of like... It's like Fly Like an Eagle has that weird organ bit before you're like, oh yeah, this is a rock song. I've just closed... There's three beginnings yes, to this song. It is. That's not fair. Do you know what it is yet? It's a mystery. Is this no. It's Dreamweaver. Yeah. We should well, just start at the chorus Weaver. for these things. Wow, guys. For future reference, Dreamweaver is really full of itself. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it, your journal and Dreamweaver. Yeah. No, I our, feel like our that, adolescence, was, that was perfect. Goes yeah. well together. It's like, well, that's where we, that's where we were at. Yeah. We were all sort of full of ourselves, <laughs> a little bit. Oh, you had to be. It's self-protection. Hi, Sue. Hi. How are you? I'm great. Welcome to the bitch seat. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Do you, um, uh, did you have a bunch of unrequited crushes when you were growing up? Oh my gosh, yeah. Actually, when I was younger, I had more of like, I had so much better game than I do as an adult. Like, I had a lot of boyfriends. 
I dated a lot when really? I was younger. Yeah. Wow. Starting, like, starting how old? Um, well, I was in an off-again, on-again, off-again relationship for 10 years. My high school sweetheart and I started when we were 11 and ended when we were 21. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. That's so impressive. Brief engagement and everything, yeah. Really? Yeah. So yeah. Did, when you met him, did you know? Were you really drawn to him and you were like, that guy? Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, he w- we were definitely in love. Mm-hmm. And, like, we both were like, we'll always love each other. But, like, so glad that didn't end up... Like getting married, he's he's uh, in politics in Albany now. Oh, um, so like I could have ended up living in Albany, which is the worst place. In the I world. think it sounds Sorry, like you dodged Albany. a bullet. Yeah, no, it was great, and like I we have nothing but good feelings for each other now. Uh, he got married recently and seems happy. I always thought it would like crush me when he got married. Didn't face okay me at all. It. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, oh. He has to get married this weekend, and I can do whatever the fuck I want. That's right. (laughs) That's right. But no, I I definitely had crushes, but like, and and in preparing for this, I went back and I thought like, oh, maybe my old notes that I saved from middle school and high school would be good for this, Mm -hmm. but they're all people writing to, to me, you yeah which you were like oh that's what it's gonna be and I was like no I'm sure I le- no none of them were from me but like a lot everything had to do with boys and who liked who or boys asking me if my female friends liked them and girls asking me if they're my boy pals liked them yeah it was nobody and talking directly to people it was no very winding and indirect and it was very dramatic uh, yeah like seriously dramatic and then I also completely forgot about this guy that I met at camp that I had like a fling with who wrote me all these like extremely passionate notes and I was like reading them and I was like wow this guy was in love with me wait what camp did you go to I went to Camp Bernadette it was a sleepaway camp in New Hampshire from when you were real little from when I was like 11 to when I was like maybe 15 did you love it yeah yeah it was like you sang a lot of songs you did a lot of activities arts and crafts Bow and arrow, swimming in the lake, the boy awesome. camp across the it's lake. Wet hot American summer. You guys in your camp. camps. You had a camp too, right? I did. I went to Exploration Summer Program. It wasn't it was like it was like an indoor kid camp. It was at Wellesley <laughs> College and I took like a cappella classes and like painting classes and stuff. Yeah. Nice. And uh, walked you know, walked into town where I learned what Starbucks was. <laughs> uh, but I did I loved it because I felt like I could um, not be the person that I, I I could step outside of the box that I felt like I was perceived as in public school. See, a lot of the people that I grew up in my my town, it was like a very like I grew up in Garden City on Long Island. And like oh, my everyone, cousins live in Garden City. Yeah, it's a big it's a big community. It's very adorable. Yes, and uh, so it was like what, where you send the girls during the summer was. Garden, oh, they all they kind all, of went like, off everyone together. Everyone went there, so it wasn't like oh nobody knows me here. It was more like. I know half the people, and then I knew knew half of the people. It was more exciting because I was able to live away from home, and I thought I would like never want to, but it was really fun. Were you uh, were you an only child? No, I'm the youngest of four. My siblings are much older than me. The closest in age is ten years older than me. Oh, so it's so you're ten, the... eleven, twelve years older than me. Wow. You were the uh, surprise. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. My siblings used to call me the hole in the condom. <laughs> Oh. And then I told my dad that once when I was all upset and like I barely knew what it meant. And my father was like, We're Catholic. You were all mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> you were the one we 
we could afford. Oh, my <laughs> oh well, that's so, a comfort. Yeah. So, so you, like, you kind of had like the best of both worlds because you had older siblings just in case you needed to feel taken care of, but you also had some space from them. So oh, it was definitely. like you got all the attention. Yeah. There was definitely like time in my life where I was kind of the only child because I was like the only one that was considered a child and everyone was like in college. Oh, yeah. So you got showered with gifts. I don't know if it, I think we all pretty much got stuff that my siblings will tell you that I was. They're they're always like, you got to go on a cruise, and I was like, yeah, but with like mom and dad. <laughs> it wasn't like we were like like yeah, I said virgin daiquiris, but I had to like sit up straight and be very well mannered, and you know like. Were and were you? So you said that you guys that you were raised Catholic, yeah. Yeah. Did you actively engage in that? Oh yeah. Yeah, CCD every uh, mm-hmm. Wednesday, and then um, oh, every I had Tuesday. Okay. <laughs> See. Yeah. yeah, we had to go every Wednesday, and then uh, Sunday mass, ten thirty, same pew. Like we had to get there. Oh, you wow. were like uh, an, an, we, an institution family. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, we weren't very religious ourselves, but it was always that Tuesday. When you when you went to CCD, did they teach you? Did you do Bible readings, or was it a workbook? That taught you moral lessons. It was a workbook with moral lessons gotcha. and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, same, same Z's. Yeah, they didn't really like the Bible is like not something that I feel like Catholics really. I feel like, like they just like waved it off. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Bible. You can read it if you want. Yeah. If you want. But, but like this is the these are the highlights. It was yeah. like the cliff notes of religion. You should know about the shepherd and his son. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know, don't steal. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. Let's look and at the key pe- the key pieces for brainwashing. And yeah, that yeah. You can Ten Commandments. Out. If you masturbate, you're dead. Yeah, well, you're yeah. going to hell. Just feel guilty always. Yeah, you see, always. You, you were born with sin. We kind of got rid of it, but then yeah. you started thinking, and you're already sinful again. Yeah. There you go. It's like we were always guilty. Yeah. The it, the the numb would always come in maybe once a month, but it was almost like the warden coming in. Yeah. To tell us about our sentences. Yes. Like how long they were going to go yeah. for. Oh God, Catholic school. People went there every day. Yeah, no, I my both my parents went to Catholic school. Yeah, and that's rough. so that's why they didn't want me to go. <laughs> they were like, it was Fair horrible. Enough. Well, that's not that's nice that they didn't make you do that. Yeah, no, they they were like, we're just gonna yeah. move to a town with a good school. So I have a question because I I was raised Jewish and I was super into it and I was like a a teaching assistant in the classes where by the way when I was in ninth grade I was I was in the confirmation class and I was a teaching assistant in a seventh grade class and I had crushes on some of the kids in the seventh grade class <laughs> which is really really wrong when you think about it I mean two years is not that big of a difference no I mean, but no, I mean it, it, it is in high school yeah I was told I was a pedophile because I was dating a girl who was two years younger than me yeah I mean I remember the senior who dated the freshman was always a little creepy yeah, yeah. Like, but like for freshman girls, it was like the dream. But then when you get to a senior, you're like, oh no, this is wrong. Yeah. This is, these guys should not do that. They should be on their way out to bigger things. Yeah. Um, well, well, I want to talk about this uh, beautiful artifact that you brought here. Yes. And, um, just to describe it for uh, the listeners, it is a big hardcover black book. The binding is falling off a little bit. It looks very well loved. Um, tell us, uh, what this thing is. This is, it has nail polish on it, but that's Perfect. recent. Um, <laughs> I, uh, this is my uh, sophomore year, 10th grade uh, sketchbook. Oh, boy. Yeah. Did you think, um, so when you were in 10th grade, what were you thinking about your future? Did you want to be an artist of some kind? I never thought I was good enough to be an artist, like a, a drawing, like painting kind of artist. But I always wanted to be a writer. Mm-hmm. Writing was always big, mm-hmm. but like 
but yeah, it, I definitely loved to draw and I like, liked going to art class and art class meant that you got to go on all the cool trips. Like you got to go to the city a bunch. Oh, what, what did you go to museums and stuff? Yeah. So we would go to Soho because that's when, when I was younger, Soho was full of art galleries and it was all like experimental art galleries and very cheap rent and like, yeah, like it's, it's very bizarre to me. Like I walk down Prince street to go to work sometimes and it's like the, it's just such a different feel. Like it used to feel more like, you know, kind of badass that we were allowed to go and walk around all these galleries the galleries were definitely beautiful and expensive but it was like experimental art and different yeah well there was there was something interesting and like alive happening downtown and I remember going on a field trip where we went to um the Lower East Side when it was still really the Lower East Side Mm -hmm. and uh, I went with my with my confirmation class actually the rabbi took us (laughs) on a trip and uh we ate it you know we got a, a knish and like Gus's pickles and the second mm-hmm. Avenue deli when it was still down there. And there were all these really awesome little shops with, Oh yeah. Um, you know, t-shirts that artists had made and like mm-hmm. buttons and cool stuff that just does not exist down there anymore. No. And there were like punk rockers hanging out. So. Exactly. Yeah. Heroin. Yeah. <laughs> so much. God, I miss the days so of heroin. heroin. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like the trade off is for the less heroin there is now there's, there's 12 more banks. Yeah. In a, a in place of where the drug dealers were on the corners. Yeah. No, I mean yeah. and we got we went to the South Street Seaport and walked across the Brooklyn Bridge. That was oh, one of the man. trips mm-hmm. that I have like sketches from and then like um the MoMA. You go to the MoMA. Yeah. So so, so you, you really lived at an advantage because you lived close enough to the city that your field trips were in like the real city. Oh yeah. Not New no. Haven. No, they were really awesome. No offense they were, New Haven. Like definitely like and Thinking back now, I can't believe the freedom that we would have. Our teachers would literally like drop us on a bus in Soho and be like, "All right, meet back here at three. Really? What Here's year was your this? map? Nineteen ninety six. Wow. Okay. I don't feel like that ever would have been allowed for us. No, they like stopped oh. it as soon as the um, attack at the trade center. Oh happened. right, yeah. That well, was done. Like two thousand. Like after two thousand one, they like stopped all the art trips, which we were like so sad to hear because that was like. Such a big part of like growing up, I feel like in my town was like when you were able to go and explore the city. Yeah, wow. that's huge. Yeah, they they did some of that in my town because we were in New Jersey, but not not to the extent at which they were doing it for you. We would just go to friggin' Midtown and eat at some pizza restaurant where there's no slices. <laughs> Why are you sad about that? You probably went to John's. John's, which yeah, a is bunch of times. The best. It's great. It loses it its decent. novelty. And Lombardi's. There were never no slices to, there. Never went to Lombardi's. We're going to go. Maybe please? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, wait, I w- let's get back. Let's get back to okay. this. To the, I don't want to distract from, from the no. art here. Cause so there's a lot. There's a lot of different stuff going on here. Learning nice about gradient. shading. Yeah, I learned about shading. Did you ever use this book for your own? Was it only for art classes or was it your personal sketchbook as well? Oh, I definitely have some personal sketches in here too. That's great. Oh, like the dude... Oh, this was, um, this, this was, uh, looks like upside down Picasso. Did you draw it upside down on purpose? I guess so. Wow. I think that was a, that was a challenge that we had or something. I, um, well, for the listeners, uh, of course you can see, you're going to be able to see pictures of this on the website accompanying the podcast, uh, at listenmandel.com. But I love this because it looks like something 
that Picasso would do. His eyes are all out of whack and his hands are like, you know, kind of gnarly and they look like they're moving. Yeah. Yeah. No, I had a lot of different, and like we were supposed to do a certain amount of, uh, like this is uh, bleeding heart flowers. That's how I found out that that was my favorite flower. I love those too. Yeah. We had to find a flower to paint or to sketch rather. And I was like, I like these the best. Uh, did a lot of se- the a lot of album covers. Oh, we have oh, a, we have great. a Beatles, Beatles revolver. revolver. That's a really good depiction. Thank good, you. Good angles. It is. I'm impressed. Yeah. No, I spent a lot of time with this sketchbook. Um, a lot of still lifes. I used to actually. I know this is a faux pas to say about art, but I used to really hate having to draw still lifes. I was really into drawing people's faces. Oh, uh, see, I have some faces. I want to try and find. I have my. Um, this guy that I dated at one point, I have a picture of him. Oh, here. Wait, wait. here we have a wan little girl, a yeah. pencil drawing of a wan little girl looking like so sad in the giant chair. Little girl in a big chair dreaming of going somewhere where she fits. Oh, oh my God. Is yeah. that you? Probably. I, <laughs> when I look back on my writing, I was like, I was so flipping dramatic but and so morose. Welcome. Well, yeah, yeah, I think you found the right place here. It was just, there was so much stuff where I was like, were you really hurting that bad? Yeah. Well, because you didn't have bigger, like the bigger things in the world to hurt about. All you had was the things. I'm trying to find. There's a small world. This is the shadow. <gasps> I drew the shadow because I love that. My I was sick once, and my dad wouldn't let me um, watch TV because no, he was when you, yeah. When you're sick, you you have to sleep. Yeah. yeah. And so, but he loved um, old radio shows, so I would listen to like Bob and Ray and The Shadow. Nice. And um, that's what I was allowed to listen to. So, I was sick, and I felt better that one day. And I while I was listening to The Shadow, I drew. My depiction of the shadow. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. You're a fan of the Alec Baldwin film, The Shadow? No. <laughs> it was horrible. It was so bad. Um, let me see what else I've got here. I got the laser disc for getting on the honor roll one year. Oh, here. Here's, this, is the, this is the picture of the guy that I was dating. Great eyes. Yeah. So, you could tell that. What was I that attracted to? That was all that to? mattered. His eyes. Time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the picture, to describe it for you guys, is uh, just a pencil drawing, and it's all just regular like gray pencil except for the eyeballs which are bright bright icicle blue yeah um so okay i have a question this is interesting if you were if you were dating the same guy for that many years you basically were dating the same guy through all of the hardest years of Mm -hmm. like of longing do you feel like you um kind of avoided the, the worst part of loneliness or were you still lonely in spite of it I wasn't always with him constantly. We were like, if, and especially with my notes, like I forgot how tumultuously on and off we were. Like I would say it wasn't until we were strictly together between probably like 98 through 2001 mm-hmm. was when we were really serious, serious. Oh, so before that it was kind of like I would see other people and stuff. Like, he didn't see anybody else as much, like, because I was kind of also very protective of him. I was like, he's mine. You were like, I'm going to see other people, but you're not allowed to. Kind of. (laughs) I was really bossy. And, like, for some reason, I had such amazing game back then that I could do that. I think it's real. Yeah, that's so impressive. It requires so much confidence. Where it went, it's completely (laughs) gone. But, um, no, I was definitely. Uh, your your diary entry was similar to stuff that I wrote where it was just like 
super overdraught, like just like nobody else is thinking as deeply as I am, oh, especially because yeah. my family was much older and I was like privy to a lot more like, you know, I knew what college was and what people were going to when it, when I was in kindergarten because I was like going on college tours right. with my sister. So it just like I always you were felt like worldly. Yeah, I just my sister was always like you were born at forty two, like you're just always an old soul. So I just always kind of felt like Do you I was think like, that comes no, with having uh, older siblings. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Because Phil had Phil has an older sister. I was the oldest child, yeah. so I was sort of like the trailblazer. That's true. I also have a younger brother who's about eleven years younger than me, oh. and he is pretty mature. He's twenty and actually. So uh, has a very good job selling cars right now. Oh. It's like I when I was twenty, I was dressing up as a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you were dressing up as King Kong and getting paid handsomely for yeah, it. Yeah, twenty bucks an hour was great. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, it's not bad. Not it's bad. Really good. I'd, I'd go back in a heartbeat. <laughs> Jesus, please take him back. Empire State Building. If you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> Empire State Building itself is driving to work. Yeah. Uh, listening <laughs> <No>. to this. <laughs> Not a long commute. <laughs> no. But it, the tunnel, though. Woof. Oh. <laughs> so, um, when, when do you think the point was in your life when you went from feeling like you had that game and you had that confidence to getting kind of knocked off your block a little bit? Um... Or, do you, or are you still riding high? Yes, that's, why no. that's what we're looking for. No, I... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's break it down. <laughs> I think it's actually when I um, lost a bunch of weight. I was like 26 and I lost a bunch of weight. And it like my game just disappeared. Like when I was heavier, I was like super... That's like And so I'm still kind of like I'm heavy again. But like I, I was 280 pounds at my heaviest when I was in college and then I lost a bunch of it and then I still like in my early 20s I had amazing game like I have so many fun stories of like just going out meeting fellas doing crazy things wow and then like I would say maybe around 26 it just like kind of stopped and then I was just kind of like oh like I feel like that was the point where I would like tell people I had feelings for them and nobody reciprocated and I was like oh all right vulnerability well, set in yeah okay. and i was just kind of like all right well now i'm just gonna become like an even like liz lemon i would want to say but like yeah. liz lemon still gets laid and like has dudes like i'm like kind of like i don't know um like a f- more fun patty and selma <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a that's a great yeah. characterization but even they have boyfriends like i just like i don't like I've become this person where, like, when I meet men, I'm like, let's be friends forever. Like, I've just, I'm, I don't have that sexiness that I used to. I think it'll come back. I hope so. I thought that I was already beyond all of it, and I mean, not, I'm not gonna get weird about it, but I thought I was beyond all of that, and then it wasn't until I was t- 29, I think, or even 30, that I met Phil, and it, and it was, it just, it happens to be when it's that time in your life when you're supposed to be in that way, like right now you're just meant to be cultivating your own yeah. self. I'm sowing my own oats, I guess. That sounds dirty in a way. I get, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you go ahead and, and sow those oats. Sow That's what we do on Sundays. I'm doing great. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you have any other uh, any other choice pictures that you wanted to talk about? Oh, let's see. Well, I, I did. I sketched uh, Starry Night, which I thought was really interesting. I wrote about it. Oh, what did, uh, you, what did I, you write here? I chose The Starry Night because it was my favorite painting. I was reluctant to sketch because it is not nearly as good as it is in paint. 
It is amazing to see how much paint he used and how every house, star and bush and hill in the painting has a feeling, color and detail to it. You can see each stroke in haste, I guess. <laughs> and you can tell that he made it fast with detail, which makes it more amazing. There's something about that painting specifically. And I, Phil, I don't know if you had this experience, but in my dorm room, I had tons of Van Gogh, especially Starry Night. And I feel like everybody's dorm room had Starry Night in it. I don't oh, totally. Know. It, was, it was extra magical. Yeah, I never had a Starry Night, but I enjoyed it. I don't know. What, did, what, 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 what are you asking me? What kind of posters did you have on the wall? <laughs> I had a poster of Raiders of the Lost Dark. Okay. I have a poster of Empire Strikes Back. The old right. one, the big one with Vader's head. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have a poster of all the 60s TV show Batman villains. All like look, oh, They look, look like they're threatening each other. Yeah. And then I have a poster of me as Frank Butler and Annie Get Your Gun that this artist drew for the town show. Oh, wow. When I was Frank Butler. And I, I had it on my wall. And then eventually like it was this just really heavy piece of canvas it just the tax couldn't hold it and it just fell on top of stuff and it's still there on a pile of things you should get it framed i should i should i'm afraid i'm a uh, i'm afraid it's like a picture of dorian gray now if i look back at it because <laughs> that was really that was my freshman year in college i was pretty i was pretty fit because i wasn't really eating i was i was probably at my peak vocals before i started abusing myself and I was probably like, I, I was as good as a town or local actor I could be before I started asking questions, mm -hmm. you know, like trying to get all methody or yeah. real. Yeah, you were free. Yeah, I was like, I, this. it's before I started thinking, I think. So I think that was like peak young Phil. You're a lucky yeah. man. You 19. started thinking really, really, really late. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I always was thinking. I just never was really, I just didn't really know how to articulate. I still don't, so. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ferguson perfectly just timed. <laughs> that was very close. No, it's, like Sam, it's Sam. Phil oh, is my Sam. Sam. Oh, that's right. That makes sense. Only, only Clarissa and Sam never, um, no, never consummated that. I don't think it was always very platonic, which I yes. think is bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Unless Sam was like gay or something. Maybe. He never came off as gay. He did. No, no, no. He was rugged. I mean, he could be a bear. Maybe, Maybe he grew into a bear. His hair was really shaggy. There's got to be a porn line of like Sam and Clarissa, right? Like, like, like. Oh, there would be. Porn. Yeah, there's got to be flashback of Clarissa explaining it all to Sam and right? Sam yeah. coming and in not, her window. Oh like, yeah, yeah. We're untapping a market right now. Like, I mean, this is something that needs to happen. As soon as this is done, I'm I'm getting to work. Don't write yeah. it. Go on Tumblr, but be careful because I'm sure there's Ferguson flashback too. With <laughs> Ferguson uh, is gross. Yeah. By the way. I don't want to take this way off track. Okay, let's go. But um, I think the actor who played Ferguson was recently in the news for doing something bad. <gasps> no. That shocks no one. I know. <laughs> he was always, yeah. He was always a creepy kid. What if it's not true, though, and he's and he listens to this, and he's like, he's not listening you guys to always this. thought it was creepy? Well, he was, his character was pretty creepy. His character was pretty creepy. I'm pretty sure we're not the first ones to tell yeah. him that. <laughs> I, was always, yeah, I was always hoping he'd turn the corner and be like, actually, I've given this some thought. Maybe. You, I was hoping that Clarissa would turn the corner and be like, I'm Real sorry, creepy. Ferguson. You must be really lonely. Do you want to talk about your feelings? Because he was acting out a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's true. 
I mean, how, how young you got to be where you're wearing a blazer and a tie like that? I mean, fun. And also, you look nothing like your sister. Yeah. You're probably the milkman's kid. Oh, yeah. Oh. None of them were gingers in that family, except no. for him. Poor yeah. Fergie. Poor Fergie. He became Fergie. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great rumor. That is a great <laughs> rumor. That is like the Marilyn Manson uh, rumor of oh Paul God. Fife. And when Paul Fife came back like to release yeah. the DVD, he was so... Done. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really funny that people think that I'm Marilyn Manson, but that's not true. I've had a whole life. Like, yeah. You see, he has like all this gray hair from worrying what people think about him. Yeah. It's so sad. Poor guy. Poor guy. Childhood idols great. falling yeah. down around us. Yeah. <laughs> or just growing up into adults and now we see them who they are now. Which I think is nicer. <sighs> is that your wrap up, Cy? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. I'm going to give you a little gift, a little meaningless gift. Ooh, I love um, meaningless gifts. This is how we denote the end of the end of uh, the bitch seat. Um, I'm gonna give you something that I dug up from uh, the basement of my childhood house, oh. and um, it's not that great. But I saved everything for no reason, and so now um, I'm. Well, giving, I mean, this is the reason right here, right reason. now. This is the reason why I had all of that suffering growing up. So, um, among other things, I don't know if you did this, but I would save like. Um, Anything that I could get my hands on from restaurants and stuff, like uh, those little swords that you put in the drinks, you know, that stab the cherries and like little umbrella, little umbrellas and um, matchboxes and all that stuff. So this is a drinkster (laughs) that says hot summer fun at Mohegan Sun. And there's a big little sunburst on top. So um, do with this what you will. Put it in your hair. going to Mohegan Sun at a young age? Oh, because we we went to see uh, concerts there. Oh. Um, Like, I think I saw... Huey Lewis? With my family, we saw Huey Lewis a lot. (laughs) We saw the band Yes, full orchestra and everything. Whoa, that's pretty awesome. Uh, Yeah. uh, The first concert I ever saw was Hollow Notes with my dad. Nice. So I was a really ironic hipster little kid. (laughs) I didn't even know what I had coming. You were just like, no, I'm just... Waiting for the clap. Private eyes. There you go. That's right. Um, so, Sue, uh, before we let you go, is there anything that you would like to do, uh, tell the audience? Anything you want to plug or anything? Um, well, if you guys are fans of podcasts, you can listen to my podcast called Cabernet and A, where uh, <laughs> Chelsea White and I drink red wine and talk about Pretty Little Liars. Oh, that sounds great. Uh, yeah, I think so that sounds appealing to the audience six of this is podcast. Coming up, guys. Get, catch up with us. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Sue Funk, thanks so much for doing the bitch seat Seriously. with us. Thank you, guys. I, I, this has been wonderful. Awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I, could, I could keep going. I could always keep going. You could always keep going. I think <laughs> we're going to work on this running time thing. We are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> guys, thanks for listening. And uh, thanks to Kent Wilhelm, our audio engineer. You can find some other awesome podcasts through the Atlantic Transmission. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Keep it weird. Keep it weird. This is Chelsea. This is Evan. And we're the hosts of Call Us Crazy, a podcast all about diagnosable disorders because I have Tourette. I have obsessive compulsive disorders. So we're very, very passionate about destigmatizing and normalizing these and other disorders. We want to entertain and enlighten. Evan, how many glasses of whiskey have you had today? I have had zero and I'm going to a holiday party, so I'm going to fix that. Well, what you have, though, been drinking. I've had wine. Okay. And did you just, or did you just not peer pressure me into drinking one with you? 
Um, I wanted to drink with you, so I nudged you in that direction. <laughs> Fair enough. What would you do if one day you went home and there was no whiskey left in the world? I'd be bummed out, and I would hope that there was room on my credit card to get more. But what if it didn't exist anymore, Evan? Um, I would have. To, I would drink more wine. Okay, that's a good answer. Tune into Call Us Crazy. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!